Thank you for downloading or podcasting this track. This recording has been remastered to provide the best sound possible given the audio environment of the original recording session. Mosaic Silver Spring is a faith community located just inside the Capitol Beltway in Montgomery County. For more information, please visit our website, www.mosaicsilverspring.org, and we'll see you in the neighborhood. Good morning, I'm Elise, and I'll be reading from the Gospel of John. The next day, the large crowd that had come to the feast heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem. So they took branches of palm trees and went out to meet him, crying out, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, even the King of Israel. And Jesus found a young donkey and sat on it, just as it is written, Fear not, daughter of Zion. Behold, your king is coming, sitting on a donkey's colt. His disciples did not understand these things at first. But when Jesus was glorified, then they remembered that these things had been written about him and had been done to him. The crowd that had been with him when he called Lazarus out of the tomb and raised him from the dead continued to bear witness. The reason why the crowd went to meet him was that they heard he had done this sign. So the Pharisees said to one another, you see that you are gaining nothing? Look, the world has gone after him. Now among those who went up to worship at the feast were some Greeks. So these came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee, and asked him, Sir, we wish to see Jesus. Philip went and told Andrew. Andrew and Philip went and told Jesus. And Jesus answered them, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Whoever loves his life loses it, and whoever hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, he must follow me, and where I am, there will my servant be also. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. Now is my soul troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour? But for this purpose I have come to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came from heaven. I have glorified it and I will glorify it again. The crowd that stood there and heard it said it had thundered. Others said an angel has spoken to him. Jesus answered, this voice has come for your sake, not mine. Now is the judgment of this world. Now will the ruler of this world be cast out. And I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. He said this to show by what kind of death he was going to die. So the crowd answered him, We have heard from the law that the Christ remains forever. How can you say that the Son of Man must be lifted up? Who is this Son of Man? So Jesus said to them, the light is among you for a little while longer. Walk while you have the light, lest darkness overtake you. The one who walks in the darkness does not know where he is going. While you have the light, believe in the light, that you may become sons of light. This is the word of the Lord. 
Lord, we ask for grace to be open to you this morning, open to you through these words of life and truth, open to you through one another, open to you through the message Joel will speak. We bless Joel with wisdom and insight and clarity to enlighten us and help us know and love you more. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much. So, uh, how'd your bracket do? Uh, this past month, uh, you may have heard there was uh, this college basketball championship thing. You don't have to know a lot about sports to fill out a bracket. Uh, our whole family filled one out. Uh, we have varying knowledge of college basketball uh, in our family, yet we all tried. Uh, because you're kind of dealt this set group of teams, and so all you have to do is go through. And whether it's you like the names or you like the state that they're from or you really follow basketball and you know all the advanced metrics of how these teams are expected to perform, you can fill out a bracket. And so, in a sense, there's this general information that's available to everyone, and then it leads you to begin to make your picks uh, based on the bracket as it's laid out. One uh, source online estimated that at least through the online services that would host brackets, that more than 20 million people in the U.S. uh, filled out brackets, submitted them, said, here's what I think is going to happen. They used uh, that general information about uh, who was playing and where they're playing and who they're lined up against, and they made their picks. Out of that 20-plus million brackets uh, from those services, how many do you think properly filled out every uh, winner throughout the tournament? How many? Zero. 20 million attempts, zero people. So all this shared information, people coming from this variety of sports knowledge, so people just randomly guessing all the way to people who know all of the advanced metrics, they used all the information available, and they didn't get it right. This is a bit like what's happening in the Gospel of John when Jesus arrives, okay? There has been some general information out there about Jesus from Nazareth. There have been murmurs that the Messiah has arrived and he's announced news of God's kingdom working in the world. And this has begun to make its way out across uh, small little villages into the larger cities, uh, back and forth. There is some general information available that this Jesus has arrived and that he may be the one. Word has spread about Jesus healing people about Jesus even working miracles overcoming death, about Jesus interacting with the religious authorities of the day, and he seemed to know his stuff, about Jesus' proclamation about God's Old Testament promises and how they're now coming to bear. And that's bringing hope, and it's bringing just interested seekers, and it's bringing skeptics. The work of Jesus through the gospel of John has been shining a light into the darkness of people's lives, wherever they may be found. 
And people, while responding to that in different ways, have shown up to try to understand just what's next, what's going to come. They've used all the general information of Jesus' teaching and his work in the countryside to now say, okay, here's what's going to happen. And in John chapter 12, as John has been announcing this work and leading up to this moment, there's a mixture of both knowledge of who Jesus is and what he said he's coming to do and expectations for what that's going to look like. People are beginning to make their decisions. And John is inviting you and me this morning to think about what Jesus has done in shining light into the darkness of our own lives. So if you're here this morning, no matter whether you feel like you know Jesus and you have been in church all your life and you have shown up this morning, that's fantastic. Jesus' light is still shining and John's calling you to think of the ways in which it shines into the darkness of your life. You may be here and may be incredibly skeptical about the claims of Christianity and all that come with it. And you're working through that. Jesus' light is shining into your darkness as well. And John is writing as an invitation to you to think through what these claims of Jesus mean. So this morning, we're going to look at this passage from John's gospel in two points. The expectations of the crowd and the example of Christ. So Jesus, in verse 12, is uh, beginning to enter into Jerusalem. The next day, John says, the large crowd that had come to the feast. So there are people coming to Jerusalem to celebrate Passover. So there are people from all around uh, the Mediterranean world who would travel back to Jerusalem to celebrate this huge moment on the calendar for their lives. And so they're coming in, but there are others there as well. And in verse 13, we're told, they took branches of palm trees and went out to meet Jesus, crying out, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, even the King of Israel. Then Jesus rides a young donkey, just as it is written, and we get this excerpt from the Old Testament. This, that, that's this note of these Old Testament promises of what God will do when he will bring about justice. This is a signal to you that God is making good on what he's promised of old. And that something's happening with this arrival of Jesus. Now, we see people showing up to celebrate Passover. And we uh, hear cries of Hosanna. And we see palm branches. And so there is this mixture coming from the crowd. The donkey and Passover and palm branches. If... uh, At some point over the next year, you showed up to a party and people are wearing really ugly sweaters and drinking eggnog. What kind of party do you think you're at? Very good. Yeah, this is okay. When I ask questions like that, you can, it's all right, you can, you can, you can call it out. Uh, we uh, uh, push against our Presbyterianism that way, right? You can, you can speak up here. It's okay. If you went to a party and people are wearing funny hats and someone comes out with a cake and there are all sorts of candles on the cake, what kind of party are you at? 
Well done, Caleb and everybody else. Uh, that's what I'm talking about. Now, if you went to a party uh, here in the United States and uh, people are dressed up in red, white, and blue, and there's a parade and there's firecrackers, what kind of party are you at? Very good. So there are symbols that are common to our kind of cultural moment where we can kind of line things up, right? Ugly sweaters and eggnog. Just because we've been to enough of these things, we can line these symbols up, right? The same with firecrackers and red, white, and blue. And same with birthday cake and funny hats. In the first century, Passover had its own feasting and celebration of God's work of redemption, kind of the, the climactic moment in the Old Testament where God redeems his people bringing them out of slavery from Egypt so that uh, even a thousand plus years later, the people continue to celebrate God's work of redemption. So when they show up to Jerusalem, that's what they would have associated with that. Now, palm branches, that's an entirely different thing. That's like jumping from eggnog uh, to birthday cake, right? Palm branches, that was a bit more associated. There, there's a bit more uh, military oomph to that. Uh, a bit more uh, nationalistic forcefulness that would have come with the symbol of palm branches. If you have time later, you can go and find the book of 1st Maccabees or 2nd Maccabees, and you'll read about these stories of a Jewish revolt that took place and people who raised palm branches that became a symbol of Israel overthrowing the oppressors. So there are a variety of nation states that had ruled over Israel. And a palm branch became this symbol of liberation, of freedom, of redemption from foreign oppressors. So when Jesus rides a donkey, a symbol of peace, into Jerusalem during the time of Passover with people waving palm branches and yelling out, Hosanna, blessed to be the one who's the highest, then there's a coming together of multiple different symbols that in a sense you go, wow, there's a lot of expectations out there as Jesus arrives. And John affirms that as he unpacks the text. Because in verse 16, we get a sense that the disciples are confused by this. They're like, huh? What's going on, Jesus? Uh, they're asking. Uh, we get almost this text note after the fact. John's like, don't worry. They figure out what's going on. It just takes a little while. That's an invitation for you to come back to the subsequent events that Dan talked about as we roll through Easter. The crowd, in verse 17, we're told, who had been with him when Lazarus was raised from the dead, these are seekers, excited people. They'd seen big stuff. Jesus is going into Jerusalem. Likely, more big stuff is about to happen. And so they're following along to try to figure out what's going on here. What's happening? Then, skeptics. The Pharisees said to one another in verse 19, you see that you are gaining nothing. Look, the world has gone after him. So disciples, seekers, skeptics are coming with a variety of expectations in a context with a variety of symbols sending all sorts of signals. And Jesus is going to unpack just what God is doing. That mix 
of people who have gathered together to hear about Jesus, to see Jesus, to come into contact with Jesus, is what we hope at Mosaic Silver Spring we experience Sunday in and Sunday out as part of worship. Part of why we have events and we think about how to connect with our neighbors, even inviting them to church. How to connect with the people we interact with in life. How to connect and reach out to the people in the place in which we're located for however much time God gives us and them here in this geographical location is driven by the idea that church and the proclamation of what Jesus is doing going all the way back to the first Palm Sunday is not something that is secret and hidden and should be walled off for no one else to know. This is a very public proclamation of what God has done and is doing. And there's a recognition that in proclaiming that Jesus in his death and resurrection is meaningful today to our lives, that that is going to be met with its own mixed response and varying expectations. Look, I'm telling you, that's the way it's going to be. But that's nothing new. That's nothing foreign. And frankly, that's not out of the ordinary for people who are seeking out Jesus. And so in the preaching and teaching and how we work community groups and how we think about life as a church and the events that we do, our hope, our prayer is that there are people coming in who uh, are seeking to figure out what it is they believe. They think there's more to life than merely technology uh, or science or their day-to-day to-do list. Not that there's anything wrong with technology or science or a day-to-day to-do list, but that there's more to life than just those things. There's more to life than just achievement and pursuing that next goal and then knocking out that next goal in that moment of joy. Oh, I got it. That thing I've been pursuing, I've grasped onto it. Oh, I feel so great for a while. And then what? The burden of the next goal or the sense of loss of purpose There are people where that is what life looks and feels like for them. And we hope they come in because we think Jesus is shining light into the darkness that they experience. There's disciples who have known Jesus, who are trying to walk through the difficult ethical questions of our day and want to understand, does Jesus and his life and death come to bear on how I care about the people around me? On just almost took out that mic. Uh, see, this is what happens when you get excited in preaching. You almost take out microphones. Uh, that Jesus would come to bear on the day-to-day decisions of your life. For disciples, his word and example, they do. And even for skeptics, for people who have had bad experiences in the church and are coming back just to figure out, is it still that way? For people who are familiar enough with sociology or church history or both who say, yeah, but don't you have some baggage? Of course we do. The question is not do we have baggage, but is the light of Jesus still shining? Mosaic Silver Spring is here to declare that in his death and resurrection, that light is alive and it meets us even in our darkest moments. And so we are invited to turn to the example of Christ. 
So with all of those expectations, Jesus begins to unpack just what he's after. In verse 24, he says, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone, just a single grain. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Whoever loves his life loses it. And whoever hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, he must follow me. And where I am, there will be my servant. There will my servant be also. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. Jesus, in verse 24, uses this agricultural or gardening metaphor that uh, it's none of the expectations in a sense, or it's all of them being fulfilled in just a different way. <laughs> that the work that Jesus came to do was uh, not going to just be some sort of new fantastic display in line with the resurrection of Lazarus. At least not initially, it wasn't going to look that way. And Jesus was not going to overthrow the Roman power structure and get rid of the oppressor, at least not in the way that people longed for him to. But that Jesus was coming into Jerusalem on that Palm Sunday with an eye toward his vocation, his calling by God to give his life for the people. To sacrifice himself for you. Not because he had to and not because you deserved it, but because God is gracious and full of love and mercy and genuinely cares for you. And so this is the way. Jesus lets his disciples know, even though they didn't kind of quite get it, that he was here to deliver them. And in the week ahead, these events would unfold. In surprising ways, much of the expectations, just like all of your brackets, uh, did not line up perfectly. But God accomplished his purpose. Jesus brings life. In the first century, the cross was a shameful image. It was something terrible. It was despised. It was for the worst. Terrorists got the cross. People were publicly crucified in order to show this is what happens when you mess with us. And it was the worst. So the idea of a cross brought with it all sorts of shame. But in the work of Jesus, this light shining into the darkness, there is a flip that happens when Jesus goes to the cross. Because three days later, when he is raised from the dead, the cross takes on new meaning for every Christian from that point forward. The cross flips. It goes from being a symbol of shame to a symbol of honor to being a, a symbol of uh, judgment for me, to being a symbol of hope for redemption because of the judgment shown to Jesus. At the cross, the example of Jesus Christ, motivated by love to act 
for us. The example of Christ dedicated to the pursuit of the glory of his Father. The example of Christ educated on the expectations of all the people and speaking truth into it. The cross of Christ separated himself from all other pretenders. Anyone else who had had palm branches waved at them, they failed and disappeared. Jesus rose from the grave. The example of Christ that by his work and through the cross, he eradicated the penalty of sin and death for us. So if you're here this morning and you're skeptical, keep working through those questions. Uh, keep coming back. We are glad you're here. We believe unashamedly that Jesus' work on the cross is the light for the world. And we celebrate that work, not because it used to be a source of shame, but because it is now the source of hope and life for all who turn in faith. If you're here and you're excited, you got invited and you're like, hey, yeah, I'm going to go check this thing out. Great. There's more to it, though, than just what's on show or display. This is not a production merely for your entertainment value. This is an opportunity for us to turn, just like we confess, to worship God, the ancient of days, the one who delivers us. If you're here and you've been following Jesus, you are a disciple. Be encouraged. Even in the midst of your own struggles, even in the midst of your own dark moments, the darkest of the dark, Jesus loves you. Jesus has entered in for you. It is because of his example in the face of our bad expectations that Jesus meets us, even us, in the darkest of dark moments to shine the light of hope, the light of resurrection, the light of grace-driven fruit in our lives today and tomorrow and forever. That's the Christian hope. Let me pray for us. God, I ask that you will watch over us and that that Light will shine in ways that we have eyes to see. That the good news of Jesus will be shouted out in ways that we have ears to hear. And that your example, Jesus, your grace and your love to us will motivate us to love one another in just that way. We ask in your mighty name, Jesus. Amen.